results aren't going your way. It's easy to kind of like get on each other. A difference in our style, but it wasn't a difference as to who we are or what our identity as a Keep team Keep up were. to date with the latest WSL action and the biggest interviews. Subscribe to the Koi Gig podcast stream on the OTB Sports app now. OTB AM with Gillette. Get into your flow with the new Gillette Labs Razor with exfoliating bar. Now, all black great and legend of the game, Dan Carter has established the DC10 Fund. It's a dedicated fundraising platform in partnership with UNICEF Aotearoa New Zealand that will provide critical funding, support and advocacy of UNICEF's work to empower child rights in the Pacific. Since 2016, Dan has partnered with UNICEF to raise awareness of the situation for children around the world. And uh, during a 2019 UNICEF-supported visit to a Syrian refugee camp in Jordan, he saw firsthand how important it was for children to have an education, a safe environment and hope for the future. Following his retirement from professional rugby, he wanted children just like his own to experience happy childhoods and subsequently set up the DC10 Fund to raise funds for UNICEF's work for children around the world. I'm delighted to say Dan is with us this morning. Dan, good morning to you. How are you getting on? Good morning. I couldn't have explained that better myself. Um, thank you for, for having me on the show. Yeah, no worries. I can only begin to imagine what it's actually like to go and see something like what you saw in Syria firsthand. And, um, you know, if you have an experience like that, the important thing, I think, is to carry it with you as much as you possibly can, as opposed to putting it in a compartmentalised little box and saying, well, I've experienced that now and I have to, you know, get back to my normal life where actually life is good. So how do you how do you make sure that you carry that with you? And it is something that you're constantly trying to fold into your activities. Yeah, it's, um, it's, it really does put your life into perspective. Um, I'm a firm believer of um, gratitude and actually working on gratitude. Um, so every day I write three things that I'm really grateful for. Um, and, you know, every now and then you find yourself complaining or, or moaning or unhappy or even you see your children, um, you know, complaining about something or they want some extra time on their iPads or some really little things. And then you go into a refugee camp like, like I did in Jordan, um, where these children, these families, they had to escape from war um, in Syria. So they've fl- um, fled their own country and uh, through the work that UNICEF have done uh, is doing around the world, they were at a refugee camp. And so, so I, got the opportunity to, to visit this place and it blew me away. These children that were doing it tough, you wouldn't know because they were so grateful for anything that they had. So we threw a rugby ball around and they were laughing, they were smiling. And I walked away from this visit really motivated and inspired. I thought I was going there to, to help put a smile on their face, but I was the one um, that walked away from this environment feeling motivated and inspired by these incredible children that were doing it so tough, but yet you wouldn't know because they were just so grateful for any meal that they got. They were so grateful for any little bit of exercise or fun that they had. It was, it blew me, blew me away. And then I returned back home and, and obviously I got um, my own family and, and it just put everything into perspective. And I was like, look, my children are really lucky to have the lives that they live. I want to be able to do more because I realise that not every child, especially in third world countries, underprivileged children, don't have the access to simple things like clean water, to 
to good nutrition to education. So um, when I finished playing, oh, I felt at that moment, I felt like I wanted to do more, but I couldn't because of my rugby schedule. So when I finished playing professionally last year, I was like, right, I, I want to use this time of transition over the next year or two to really use my, my platform, my profile to be able to give back. And that's the main reason that I set up the DC10 fund and partnered with UNICEF to, to really try and help and, and support the, these children in need. If, if people want to get involved, I understand there's an auction underway at the moment. You, you did a kickathon, which was um, a bit crazy, a, a long time spent kicking. I presume the body was very sore after that. Um, an auction is kind of an easier thing, I suspect, for you to be involved in. Yes. Um, yeah, you're right. So currently I've got a pair of uh, limited edition rugby boots um, that I designed with Adidas and they were going to be my retirement boots. I was going to play my last game of professional rugby in these boots. But with the, the, the pandemic um, that, that geez, was just over two years ago now, I ended up having to to return back to New Zealand. I never actually played my, my last game for, professionally with, with these boots. So I designed a pair, Adidas raffled a few pairs off, so you've never actually been able to buy a pair of these boots. But I wanted to, to bring my two passions together. Uh, one passion, giving back to children in need that I've just talked about, and the other passion of kicking. I've always been able to kick goals and it's something I love. Even now I've finished being a professional rugby player, I, I love taking my bag of rugby balls down to the park and kicking goals. So I wanted to bring my two passions together for a fundraising event. So I went down to Eden Park and I kicked goals for 24 hours straight. Uh, no sleep. And I managed to, to survive the 24 hours. I raised um, some incredible money f to help provide clean water for, for children in the Pacific Islands. And I managed to kick 1,598 kicks <laughs> in that 24 hours, which is how many um, test points I scored for the All Blacks. So I was, it was, you know, a, a real milestone. It was tough. It was just what I needed, having retired, to put my mind and body um, to the limits again, which is something we I used to do when, when I was playing um, professionally. Every weekend, you'd go to those lengths, but it was a, it was a great experience. And we raised some fantastic money and we're closing the, the event in terms of a fundraising event uh, next week. And I thought I'd do one last um, donation. Um, so I put a pair of my rugby boots, these limited edition rugby boots that I wore for the entire 24 hours. I wore one pair of these limited edition boots for, for 24 hours. Um, so they probably smell a little bit. They're a little bit dirty. They've had plenty of uh, wear and tear throughout that 24 hours, but I'm auctioning them off um, on eBay and 100% uh, of that, you know, the, the donation, whoever the lucky person is to to bid the most for these boots that one will go towards um, helping provide fresh water for these children in the Pacific Islands. And in a true tribute to your career, did you kick the last one with your right boot? <laughs> Yeah, I know. So in the, the World Cup final in 2015, I had a little bet with a couple of uh, teammates of mine because I'd never actually kicked a goal in a, in a test match with my wrong foot. And my father used to always tell me to kick off both feet. So I grew up kicking off my left and right foot. Um, and then, uh, yeah, we had an opportunity in the, the World Cup final in 2015. So the last kick of my All Black career was off my wrong foot. So... I, I, yeah, I slotted that 
But then through this kickathon event, I realised actually I need to kick off both feet. There's no way I can last 24 hours kicking over 1,500 kicks just off my my left uh, my left foot. So I mixed it up and, and kicked kicked off both feet. Uh, you're obviously still you love kicking. You're if you're still doing this, um, it's not something that you've had enough of. It's not something that you're sickened by. It doesn't. It actually still excites you to have the challenge to be able to kick. Yeah, it's it's it, people are asking you know why you know why are you down at the park kicking so often? But for me, it's 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 like it's my happy place. It's like meditation to me. Um, so in the, the busy world that, that I'm living post footy, I just feel like to clear my head, I go put in my my headphones and listen to music and kick goals. It's it's something I, I love doing, and I think for as long as I'm able to kick and the body holds up and stays in one piece, I'll kick for as long as I possibly can. But to do an event like the kickathon just gave it that little bit more meaning where I was actually kicking for something much bigger than myself to, to be able to, to support these children in need in the Pacific Islands. It, it gave a real sense of, of meaning and something that, that I really miss since since playing rugby. So, um, yeah, I, I love kicking. It's, yeah. It's, um, it'll always be a big part of my life. That bit that you said at the start where you talked about um, writing down three things every day that you're grateful for, what age were you when you started doing that? When did you realise that this was something that would be a good thing for your own mental health and for just your own sense of who you are in the world? Uh, I, I was in my 20s and I got a paid tribute. It wasn't something that I came up with. It was uh, a coach, Wayne Smith, who coached the All Blacks for a number of years and even coached me at the Kobe Steelers in Japan where the team that I finished playing for at the end of my career, he was really big on this and he used to make the team just really spend a little bit of time of their day where they just were grateful for something and you actually had to write it down and there's just something a lot more for me personally meaningful when I actually get a pen and paper and write it down. It means that I'm accountable, it has uh, a lot of meaning. So it was a real value for us in the All Blacks is actually showing gratitude and showing humility. You know, we used to get free clothes, uh, car, we used to get all these things um, as, as a rugby player. And it's quite easy to, to get ahead of yourself and think that you're better than you are. So you need to, to actually work and spend time on focusing on things you know you're grateful for and thankful for and um and make sure that you know you remain grounded and keep your feet on the ground because that's it's a huge part of of success and a huge part of the culture here in, in new zealand so um yeah it's been a big part of you know my my all black career is focusing on that even now that i've finished playing i like to to, to spend time focusing on um you know things that i'm, I'm thankful for in my life that's really interesting because you kind of you come into the team as as a, a very famous you know talent that everybody has massive expectations for, and eventually your team delivers on those expectations. But it's not as straightforward. Everything is easy from day one. Uh, international rugby is easy. The World Cups are easy. It's the opposite of that. There's there's heartbreak and there's despair and there's recrimination, and you you had a first hand you know a a, a view of. The, the best and worst of New Zealand rugby culture, where's the, in your mind when you look back on it, where's the hinge point that things turn for the better and you, you begin to have those values and you begin to live those values? 
it's something that's ingrained in you as soon as you are part of the all black environment and it's not the coaches or management that are teaching you the values of of what it takes to to be an all black or, or live in the all black environment it's, it's the senior players and we used to have some incredible senior players in, in the group the likes of kevin mialamu brad thorne and they used to spend a lot of time with the new guys coming into the environment and you know just just getting them up to speed of of you know the, the all black way and, and and you know the values that that we live and we spend a lot of time of looking back at the history of the All Blacks and but they're making them realize that they're just custodians of the jersey it's it's now their job and their role to to add to this legacy so all of a sudden they walk away really motivated inspired to 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 realize that their mission their their purpose is to actually leave the jersey in, in a better place than what it was before they arrived and when you have you know, our belief and, and values like that, you know, everyone's going to give it 100% every single uh, day of the year. So that's, that's a, a really big value that we, we rely on the guys when, when they come into the environment. And then there's a whole lot of things like work ethic is, is another big one. Um, uh, walking towards pressure, obviously pressure is a big part of, you know, high performance and, and playing under pressure and, um, actually walking towards that pressure rather than letting it, it be a burden is, is another one that, that we really um, spend a lot of time on, on working on as well. So I think, you know, now that I've finished, I, I look back at, at my time in, in, in the All Black environment and just, yeah, really, really lucky to, to learn a, a lot of incredible uh, insights and into things that you can carry on even uh, life after rugby. There's a narrative out there that this happens in the aftermath of the defeat in the World Cup, but it sounds to me like you guys were doing it all the time, and that sometimes you don't always win, and that's the vagaries of sport. That it wasn't as simple as we fixed everything because we lost one World Cup. No, it was uh, accumulation of a lot of things, but we probably didn't learn enough. Like I was there in, in 2003 where we lost the World Cup semi-final. And through that time, we didn't probably spend enough time learning from the the unsuccessful World Cups that had gone before us. And we went into 2007 thinking that we had um, enough and, and what it took to, to win that World Cup. Uh, we didn't. We uh, got knocked out by France in, in the quarterfinal and we were the worst performing all-black side in the history of, of World Cup history going into that World Cup as the number one side for you know for three three or four years straight. So it was uh, a huge insight for us. But something we learned a lot earlier was about culture and uh, building a really diverse culture where everyone could contribute, everyone felt welcomed, um, everyone could, could be themselves. And we've been working on that for a number of years. And then we... We went to 2007 and we thought that that was enough, but that was just a little little cog in, in the wheel. We What we didn't realize is actually the importance of your mental strength and working on your mental game because we were spending a number of hours in the gym, we were spending a number of hours on the training field, but we weren't spending enough time working on our, our mental strength, you know, how to, to deal with pressure, how to deal with setbacks, how to... Um, 
you know, deal with uh, communication when the opposition are absolutely on fire. So we took some great learnings from 2007 and we were able to apply that and along with the work that we're doing in terms of building uh, a unique culture in the group, I think that was a huge reason why the All Blacks were, you know, so successful, um, you know, for, for a, you know, a, a good 10 years or so um, after that World Cup. Is there also something about the style of play in that there's an innate sense of adventure and we want to keep the ball and we want to make sure that our skills are better than everybody else that maybe the rest of the world, um, you know, we, we, we've, we've obviously all read the book Legacy and, and kind of got as much insight as we possibly can from that, that side of things. It does strike me too that you all really enjoy the most exciting part of the game, which is being creative. And that's something you can't really, well, you can teach it and you can get better at it. Because I definitely believe you can teach anything and get better at anything. But that innate sense of, we want to try something that other people haven't tried. We are the guardians of the spirit of the game. Yeah. All the coaches that we've ever had in New Zealand really encouraged the individuals to express themselves. You know, there's a reason that you're picked at the highest level is because you have the skill set, you have the drive to to continue to not just follow trends, but to be world leading. So we were innovative, trying new things. But one thing that we spent a lot more time on than a lot of people realize is actually the core skills. So as an All Black, we used to go to club rugby training or kids training, and we used to get back out into the community and, and do a lot of coaching. And you have these little junior clubs going, okay, well, the coach would go, hey, can you take these kids and do some of your All Black drills that you guys do? So we'd take them through some All Black drills, and it was just really simple, basic catch, pass, running straight. And they're like, no, 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 seriously, like, give us some of these special drills that you guys do as the All Black. I was like, well, this is it. Like, we focus so much on the core skills. So when we score these silky silky beautiful tries if you actually break it down it is just doing the fundamentals of the game better than the opposition and we used to really pride ourselves on on doing the basics over and over and over again because if you did that then you're able to to play freely express yourself and um, you know, play the, this beautiful style of play. Whereas I see a lot of teams, they they want to play this flamboyant, open style of play, but they're not doing the basics well enough. You know, the, the passes are not, you know, right on the chest. Um, the, the the catching, the the arms are not extended to catch the ball early. They're catching the ball late on their chest. So just little things like that that we would spend hours and hours at training working on. So that's very much a, an All Blacks culture and the culture of your career in New Zealand. Like, What about post All Blacks? Was was there a different culture that you endured or enjoyed maybe in in France and I guess even in, in Perpignan right in the middle of, of that time with the All Blacks? Yeah, so when I look back now and you know, I was lucky enough to, to have a long playing career here in New Zealand and then um, some opportunities to, to play in France and then finished my career in Japan. So three completely different cultures and the learnings that I got from those three cultures was incredible. Um, one thing that I learned is you can't take what you do in one environment and culture and just replicate that in France, for example. And I knew that in 2009 when I went to Perpignan, it was my first experience. It was only six months in France. 
But I soon learned that the French, they do things uh, differently. And so when I went to race in 92, I didn't want to go there and say, hey, look, at the All Blacks, we do this and that. We should try and change to play more like what they do. I knew that that just wasn't going to work in, in the, the French culture and the way they did things. So I spent the first three months not really saying anything, to be honest. I just I, I sat back and, and I just learned the way that they went about their work and their delivery and their style of play. And then over time, I was able to just implement little things. And I was really fortunate enough to, to have a good Irishman, uh, Ronan O'Gara, on uh, the coaching group there. So I used to spend a lot of time in his office, just talking rugby, talking about things we did in in New Zealand, not trying to change um, the, the way we played, just trying to give little ideas and just a, a new insight into things that, that we could try um, at racing and try and just evolve our game in a little way. But if you try and throw too much on them, it, it just you know it, it backfires. It backfires. And I've seen a lot of Kiwi guys that they go into to French environments. And they just get so frustrated because things are done differently. You got to accept that things are going to be done differently, and it's just the way it is. And then, but over time, you can slowly just implement uh, little things that, that can often you know make it make a big change and i think some of the coaches probably have the same view as well where they go into a french environment and sometimes get taken aback a little bit by some of the things that they see maybe that time is over but certainly maybe 10 15 years ago that was the case so was ronald o'gara very inquisitive was he constantly asking you questions in terms of bits that he could take from the all blacks culture and implement within the the racing changing rooms yeah he, he was a young coach and he was he was willing to learn and that's what I love so much about, about Rog, his, his willingness to, to learn, take in information, his passion for the game uh, blew me away. So much so that um, when he got the opportunity to, to coach uh, down here in New Zealand, he, he took it. And I'm, I'm sure he could earn a lot more money um, you know, coaching in France, but he wanted to learn so much that he you know, took the, the job opportunity at the Crusaders, had a couple of very successful seasons there and learned off um, you know, some of the best coaches uh, in the world and, and, and the coaching staff that they had at the Crusaders. And then his time was to, 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 to move on to, to bigger and better things. And now I think... It's a, a big part of the reason why La Rochelle are, are having so much success recently is, is a lot of the learnings um, that, that Rog has, has taken from his, his time time in New Zealand and he will bring his own spin uh, on, on things. And um, yeah, so I, I really enjoyed you know my time working alongside Rog. The story goes you were involved in, in recommending him for the, the gig in New Zealand, is that right? Yeah, yeah. I um, Yeah, obviously, you know, used to play with uh, Scott Robinson so you know when he was looking for um, a backs coach you know he asked uh, about Rog and you know I could only say good things having you know worked alongside uh, Rona for a couple of years and his willingness to learn um, I still realised at that time he, w- he was a young coach um, but his his passion for the game his willingness to, to learn so he had a really growth, uh, he had a huge growth mindset, which, which I loved. Um, he never thought that he had all the answers. He was um, willing to to listen and learn and, and also debate, which, which is very important as well. So 
um, I knew it would be a perfect fit for both the Crusaders and Ronan and, you know, it was hugely successful and I'm sure that, you know, he's a much better coach because of his time down here in New Zealand. Was there ever any part of you that was thinking, I mean, you have a growth mindset, you're still obsessed with the game, you still love it, you still love being around the environment, that coaching is in your future? Oh, yeah, oh, I don't know. Like, I do. I love the game and I love watching the game. I'm hugely passionate about rugby. I feel like I have a lot of knowledge and experience to, to share. But I've given so much to the game uh, as a player, and now I feel like I just need to to use my energy and time on my family. I've got a, a young uh, family of four children, uh, four boys, all under nine years old, and I just I love my weekends with with my with my kids. Yeah, you know, I'm, I'm testing my patience, uh, helping coach, uh, you know, their, their soccer teams and, and rugby teams, and you know, playing Uber driver to uh to the kids sports and the weekends i just i just love that and i felt like my last couple of seasons when i was in japan they were based in new zealand so i missed a lot of their childhood so they're so young my youngest is 11 months and my eldest just turned nine so they're at really good ages where they need to to have um you know mum and dad around so if i get into coaching it's it's full on like it's i've seen how hard the top coaches work and to to then be away for the weekends as well it's just for for me the the timing wasn't quite right um to to get into coaching um you never say never who knows what the, what the future holds but in this point of time um coaching you know doesn't really interest me so a bit of broadcasting might be the the future is it no, well, broadcasting is just as bad, you know, you're away <laughs> from the weekend again. Um, I find uh, find in other ways, there's plenty of other, um, you know, projects that, that I'm working on. Uh, a lot of ambassador uh, work as well. Um, just, yeah, t- taking some, some, some time out, uh, you know, from the game as, you know, a repurpose and, and focus on how I can make, you know, the biggest impact over the next 10, 20 years. Um, you know, in, in the sec- second uh, chapter of, of my life. Well, that's fair enough. One last question for you then. Uh, how many tests will Ireland win in New Zealand this summer? <laughs> oh, I love that. Um, this is huge, honestly. It's, it's a proud Kiwi and the the way the, the Irish played against us in November completely outplayed us. Um, has brought so much excitement around these... The, these three test matches in New Zealand. As you know, us Kiwis, we're pretty passionate about rugby. It's, it's like a religion down here in New Zealand. Um, so to be completely outplayed like like we were in November brings some some real excitement to the series. Three test matches. The All Blacks, we, we really need to know exactly where we're at. And this series against an inform Irish side. And I, I followed them pretty closely through the Six Nations and, and I thought... They played extremely well. Great to see Johnny Sexton getting consistent game time and, and playing well and, and driving the team around the park. So I'm hugely excited. I've given you the real long answer. Um, you know, I, I can't say, I have to support my, my Kiwi brothers um, whenever they play, but this is these are just the test matches that, uh, that the All Blacks need. Um, just over a year from from the World Cup to just see exactly where we're at, whether we've got the combinations right, um, how much change we need to to make um, over the next 18 months, 
and yeah, um, I'm sure the uh, the Irish are you know pretty keen to to build on the momentum that, that they started. Um, or that they've been building over the last few years against the All Blacks. Ordinarily, Dan, the answer would have been, oh, we'll win all three of them back in the day, but at least there's a bit of doubt in your mind that I can sense <laughs> here that it's not a guaranteed nailed-on whitewash. Oh, mate, it never was against Ireland. Yeah, we obviously had a great record against the Irish, but <laughs> and, and amongst that time, there were many great escapes um, for, <laughs> against the Irish. And, I, and I, you know, one springs to mind down in, in Christchurch where I wobbled a dead duck drop goal over. Um, we remember. The, you know, <laughs> yeah, you guys probably should have beaten us that, that night, but um, we never sort of had these dominant performances. We, we had a couple of lucky uh, escapes, so it was always a, a huge test match against the Irish. So I'm never, never, you know, super confident when coming up against the Irish. And, you know, you had some great success over us in recent years. But if I had to, um, not a betting man, but if I was, you know, I, I can't bet against uh, the All Blacks uh, 3-0. Right, OK. Well, look, just a reminder, Dan Carter's gold Adidas Predator boots are for sale for a great cause. That auction is live on eBay. We're going to share that link and it's also posted on Dan's Twitter feed as well. If you want to own a slice of rugby history and to help a great cause, you've been great with your time, Dan. We wish you the very best. 400 grand raised already for the kickathon. And as you said, that's, um, there's still another week to go for that. So we hope that you, you hit the half a million. And I have no doubt you probably will. Thanks a million, Dan. Congratulations on um, you know the fundraiser and, and surviving the 24 hours and the rest of your career as well, which is also pretty good. Oh, I really appreciate your time. And, and thank you so much for your support. I I miss my trips to, uh, to Ireland, um, but obviously might be able to hopefully pop over there uh, sometime soon. So um, thanks, thanks again. Cheers. That's uh, Dan Carter, rugby legend, joining us this morning uh, for a very good cause. It is for UNICEF Aotearoa, New Zealand. OTB AM. With Gillette, get into your flow with the new Gillette Labs Razor with exfoliating bar.